I'm so excited today to be talking to Amara Hakwani. Amara has had over 20 years experience across financial services, product strategy for wealth management, covering investments, advice, superannuation in Australia and globally. Prior to joining Iris, Amara was the Chief Client Strategy Officer for Benelong Funds Management. Before Benelong, she was also a Senior Policy Manager for Retirement Income and Investments at the Financial Services Council and a Senior Manager for Retirement Income at Challenger. Amara has an absolute wealth of experience across financial services and it's very, very impressive. I'm Sonia, a personal brand and style coach. My journey began in the corporate world and through lived experiences has led me where I am today. I've walked in those uncomfortable shoes, faced the same challenges and questioned my path to professional success while simultaneously navigating my personal style journey and the challenges that each decade brings. I wholeheartedly believe in the fusion of personal brand and style strategy. My mission here is to provide you with practical, actionable strategies and lived experiences to help you unlock your next level of success through the power of personal brand and style. Let's get started. So good to have you on the podcast, Amara. So maybe if we start off with the evolution of sort of your leadership journey and personal style. So if you could walk us through, like you've had this very varied career that's taken you through. So throughout that journey, is there any insights or things you could tell my listeners around how your personal style and your personal brand has really played in sort of that step up through the years? Yeah, look, it's been really interesting. And I think I should probably start by saying you don't see on my bio is I actually started life as a makeup artist. And that was at ripe old age of 19. And Really, that was an interesting kind of beginning in terms of a corporate career because originally I was, I worked for Estee Lauder and ended up with the national makeup team of Estee Lauder doing, you know, makeovers around the country. And one thing led to another and I ended up in promotions. While I was at the promotions company, the managing director of that company said, oh, you have a bit of a brain. Why don't you help me pick a superannuation fund for the promotions consultants? And so I did this kind of piece of work to pick a super fund. And then that kind of led me to go, you know what, I actually don't mind this finance superannuation stuff. I wouldn't mind having a crack at a career in it. So I started as a two-week temp at a financial services firm called Navigator and then I left seven years later as assistant product manager. So it was all kind of very organic. My whole career has been a series of curiosity, interesting conversations that have led to jobs very few interviews, actually. One of the things I got taught early in that journey was, you know, go and tell a team leader that you're interested in working in that team and seeing what happens. And, you know, one time I did that and the woman that ran that technical services team said, well, actually, there's a job coming up next week. So I ended up getting that job. Mm. One of the bigger roles in my career more recently was at Challenger doing retirement income policy, and that was working for a guy called Jeremy Cooper. I proverbially met him in the hallway and he said, come work for me. And most recently, the job that I have now was also very much around the network that I'd formed in those years and the man that I work for now, Harry Mitchell, saying, you know what, you should come join us at Iris. There's lots of good problems to solve. And I think over that 
kind of 20-something year career, it's all been about advocacy. Mm. It's been about people. I mean, I've had wonderful mentors along the way and I could talk forever about mentorship. But I think as I get older, it's less about mentorship and more about advocates. And what that's done for my leadership style and brand has been very much I've been able to bake in authenticity and it blows my mind every time because I am someone that is a devil's advocate. I do talk about the things that other people necessarily don't. I'm prepared to take an alternate view and I'm really proud to say that I've managed to get to this level of leadership without ever changing who I am. I love that. I'm actually stunned, to be honest, because not many people get to say that. And I'm very proud of the fact that that's true. When you're younger and you feel very kind of rebellious or you feel like you don't belong or you feel like, oh, I'm never going to fit this corporate life or, you know, you look at the big matrix of middle management and senior management and the CEO sitting somewhere at the top and you see them at town halls and whatever and you wonder what happens in that world And you think that you'll never be able to play in that. And I think what's been interesting for me is I've just found people like myself Mm. or they found me along the way. And even now, Iris is going through a massive turnaround. So I suppose what's very interesting for me is even now as I've joined Iris, instead of finding people that themselves authentic, it's actually been the same thing. I've, Mm. you know, surrounded myself inadvertently or advertently, I suppose, with people who like me. And I think that's always nice to, if you stay true to who you are, then you will find people along the way who are also true to themselves and find that like-mindedness. And I say that a lot to people coming up that think they have to change or they have to fit a mould. I don't think you have to. And we talk a lot about authenticity in these years, but Living it is a very different story. Yeah. And do you think that, like, given that you were authentic, was there anything about that as you moved through that, okay, your brand was quite consistent and authentic, therefore, to develop the relationships? Do you think your style evolved through those years as well? It's always an armour, but it's also an expression of self, isn't it? Yes. I think corporate Melbourne and Sydney, so I'm originally from Melbourne, I now live in Sydney, and I did a large chunk of my time in Canada and watching my own style evolve originally being so young in corporate life and you always just want to be a little bit edgier or you want to be I mean even where I've shopped has changed (laughs) and I think back to the mid-2000s and all the Portman suits I wore but it was interesting I moved to Canada in 2010 and what's really interesting coming away from the Melbourne style I think Mm which I nevertheless loved. But what I learned when I moved to North America was best described as the Ivanka Trump corporate dress. Yeah. And gosh, that's been probably the hallmark of my personal brand. And even just a couple of days ago, because I am new at Iris and one of the people in my team, she said to me, you have the best, you have a never ending supply of dresses. And I went, (laughs) yeah, because I've always been very one and done I left the suit behind a long time ago, notwithstanding that now I've picked up a few kind of wide-legged baggy suits, like twin suits kind of thing, linen suits at witchery or whatnot that I'm living in at the moment. But that's been 
a new thing. Mm. So I've had 15 years of wearing the dress, the corporate dress, like call it the pencil dress Yep. in a variety of colours. And they're great because done well, they'll have a really interesting neckline that's, you know, collared or something along those lines. So you can wear them in a boardroom. You can wear them, you know, casually. You can kind of do the desk to dinner thing where a lot of these roles, you know, there's a lot of events after work or Mm. you're hosting clients or that kind of thing. And so I've been very, if I had to explain my style, it's been corporate effortless. Yep. The Ivanka Trump corporate press it's not just Ivanka Trump, but when you when you scratch women dress in Wall Street and how they dress throughout North America and corporate life, and it is very kind of the Trump thing's interesting. It's a very right wing kind of, you know, the blonde straight hair, the the silhouette, the the first lady, the newsreader, the like. There, it's a very interesting kind of thing, and when you tap into it, you find all these really interesting brands like Tahari and yeah. Calvin Klein do some amazing dresses we don't generally get here in Australia. And, yeah, so I found exploration of that while I was doing my job at RBC, Global Asset Management, really interesting because Mm. I'm also very lazy. I'm very big on wash and wear, air-dried hair, being a makeup artist because I've always been a makeup artist and I never stopped doing that and Mm. ran my own business and have been running my own business for 20-something years. Being a makeup artist has taught me how to do my face in five minutes. Mm. So because I suppose the feminist element of this is very how many men care about what they do. Mm. And so the minimalism is important to me. But then there's a strength in that minimalism. So I kind Mm. of I end up in the navy blues and the bottle greens Mm. and the and not necessarily black. The other thing I've done a lot of is leather. And I found a lot of strength in leather. Yeah. Lots of leather penciled skirts and dresses and pairing it back or really kind of owning it with a sharp white collared shirt. And I think femininity comes in and out of a lot Mm. of this stuff and what your own femininity means to you. I found a lot of power in my femininity and I've never made excuses for it, I guess. Yeah. Uh, It's very visual, especially talking about leather, you know, many would think, although it has changed over the years, many would think that leather, you know, oh, hang on, if I'm trying to portray a professional as image, would leather work? But I love the ability to showcase your personality through that as well and that actually it's about the cut of that particular piece and then use of textures actually creates a really beautiful put-together look. Yes. And it's interesting, right, because I'm minimal on accessories. I barely wear my wedding ring, actually, which my husband and I are both terrible at that. And I do a lot of public speaking mm. and I find deciding what you wear on stage also in that same vein mm. of what kind of message you're trying to portray about yourself or even having I've done a little bit of TV. And it's the same thing. I always go for block colours. I always go for because I want people to look at me rather than what I'm wearing, but I don't Mm. want what I'm wearing. It's such a fine line. I've whinged about this a lot. (laughs) You can't be too frumpy. You can't be too, like, dowdy, but you can't be too, you know, sexy. You can't be this. You can't be that. You can't. I mean, if you're sitting, 
I've spent an inordinate amount of time going, what kind of seat will I be sitting on on stage? Yes. Do I just give up and wear pants? <laughs> like that kind of, I don't want people looking up my dress. I don't want people looking at my knees. What kind of shoes do I wear? I once had a, a boss in my policy years who is a reasonable, well-known journalist in her time, and she, impressive woman and impressive style herself, it's very kind of corporate superwoman, her style, but like she'll wear the, the skirt suit with the scarf and she like walks yeah. into a room and she's tall, so she's six foot something, and like she owns a room. Mm. And my style is definitely not her style. But she and I have shoes in common, so it's the, you know, what kind of stiletto are you wearing on stage and do you wear stilettos? Do you give up or wear flats? Do you, like, it's that. Men don't think about this. No. They don't have to. (laughs) And it annoys me, but (laughs) I also know that that's just the ticket to play because the package I present is all of me. And they all represent a piece of who I am. So I recognise everything I've just talked about just makes me sound like some sort of corporate dominatrix. But <laughs> not at all. You're saying what all of us, are, like, have many years spent thinking, or the, the amount of effort that actually goes into considering all of those things. You know, as soon as you're asked, "Oh, can you present?" You know your content already, but the first thing you're thinking about is, "Oh." Okay, where is what it? What am I going to wear? Sitting in my, and what am I wearing <laughs> on stage around that? And I think this is where sometimes it's underestimated what an impact your clothing choices can actually make on how you feel. And I think that you touched on it a little bit earlier where you'd actually said, what, you know, it's you're getting a message across and that message you want to be really heard clearly. So the last thing you want is to be A, worrying about the comfort of what you're wearing and B, for that to potentially overpower the message and that you're trying to get across as well. And there is that fine line. Absolutely. You've talked about some cool shoes (laughs) and a love maybe for a bit of a stiletto. So tell me a little bit, what are your favorite brands in that space? Look, I've not been somebody that spends a lot of money on clothing notwithstanding this conversation but I've not been someone that spends a lot but I I mean I'm still middle market person you're not going to find when I got my first executive job I went and got my first pair of Louboutins and that was amazing and but the problem is I don't wear them because yeah. they're my Louboutins <laughs> they're um, nicely boxed <laughs> yeah yeah because you know you don't want to do anything to that soul and then of course I had a more of a feminist person in my life say to me that you know, you've got to be careful because it's basically, you know, institutionalised misogyny, the high heel and the red sole. So, of course, I've got that in the back of my mind. And so, yeah, I'm a Whitner and I was a, you know, Whitner and Nine West kind of yeah. person. But increasingly, you know, I mean, current shoe styles are interesting in that they are, you know, wider, flatter, chunkier. So stilettos are not actually what I'm really wearing at the moment anymore, but the big block heel means that you can walk across the CBD and not have your feet tired, so that's great too. <laughs> <laughs> In terms of clothing brands, I touched on the Taharis and the yes. Qs and the, there's some interesting things I found on the Iconic as well. If I spend a little bit more money, it would be something like Ginger and Smart 
who I love, yeah. and they seem to pick up the silhouettes that I like. And Q, Q's a reliable staple staple, and has been for a decade, I'd say yeah. now. And I love watching Q reinvent themselves. Mm. They've done an amazing job of that. And then every now and again, it's something like Mark's. Yeah. But that's quite rare. And so given that you're now in, you know, you're working for a technology firm being Iris, Fashion and technology, there's lots of debates back and forth around that. Obviously, since COVID, you know, that whole business casual has really started to infiltrate and you're also seeing a bit of a mix back to more suiting but a much more relaxed suiting style than it was pre-COVID. How do you find navigating through that while still maintaining, you know, your brand and your authenticity? Oh, gosh. It's so funny you say this. So two weeks before I started this job, I was speaking to my new boss and said, this is going to be, and so he's also from finance coming over Mm. to fintech. And Iris is probably one of the original technology companies that finance has had since the mid-90s. And I think Iris's own evolution from being a finance company that did tech to being a tech company to now really understanding that it's a tech company inside the finance ecosystem Mm. And it's that interesting thing of as tech gets commoditized, you really are the industry of your customers. Mm. So I asked him, this is going to be a really silly question, but what do I wear? (laughs) And he innately understood why I asked that question Mm. because he was also new. He'd come six months before me and he grappled with that himself. He had been a super fun CEO and done CEO jobs at a variety of both tech and finance companies. And he understood as a woman how much more difficult that conversation is. Because, of course, I've arrived and, you know, it's teams and teams of engineers wearing, you know, T-shirts, jeans and runners. And uh, that repertoire of dresses I've had has, I've had to be very sparing about what I pull out because stuff that looks overly corporate has no place. Yeah. Yeah at the moment, except for client meetings. Mm. So if we are going to see like some of our biggest clients are the banks and broking firms and, you know, people that themselves are way more conservative than we would be. So they come mm. into play there. But my average kind of day is something still addressed, but something more flowy, yeah, longer, like something a bit more contemporary that's obviously not a pencil silhouette but and runners. I have a pair of Kate Spade kids that are sparkly that I wear every now and again. Which, which I love. I have my Stan Smiths and I uh, have a couple of other things. Baird have been a great mm. brand footwear-wise. But I've also discovered denim dresses. There's some mm. amazing pieces at the moment, really nice, either proper denim or chambray kind yeah. of stuff that's just brilliant for this as we go into summer. Yeah. That feel, you know, they're collared, they're one-piece, look great with what runners. If I need to swap shoes for a client meeting, I can or not because, you know, it, most of the executives at Iris are paired back. Yeah. But I will say, so we are a listed company and we had an investor update a couple of days ago and I, so I happened to catch up with an analyst afterwards who's a friend of mine. Mm. One of the things he said, which you will find fascinating, he said it's really good to see that management aren't wheeling out middle-aged men in T-shirts anymore and that everyone was wearing a suit. <laughs> Interesting. And, right. And <laughs> yes. so this whole thing of are we a tech company and do you wear black T-shirts and runners because you're a tech company 
and again, as you know, we come out of the Silicon Valley era and start to understand businesses as businesses, mm. is there the time and place for the suit and is there the time and place for the T-shirt runners? Yeah, yeah, very, very interesting um, because, you know, there was that stage where it was like, oh, it's a tech company, so therefore it is. Sneaky, yeah. you know, it's kind of like, well, that was Steve Jobs' brand, but that was innately his. So then what are we saying about our innovation, our ability to do something different, be unique and everything else if everybody looks the same because we just want to be like that? So, yeah, very, very interesting to see that the analysts have picked up on that too. I think we forget that was Steve Jobs' brand, but it was exactly the same as Barack Obama's brand, yes. right, of he yes. wore the exact same thing every day. Yes. So that doesn't translate to tech, people should wear black T-shirts. It just says that that's what Steve Jobs did. Yeah. And so in the end, I'm doing a version of the same thing, which is I have my you know, I think we all have, you know, kind of our outfits on rotation because, you know, I'm a mum of a six-year-old and, you know, life's busy in the mornings and the last thing you want to do is spend too much time thinking about what you wear. Absolutely. So it has to be efficient and bang for whatever it is that you put on, you get the most impact out of it. Yeah, no, for sure. So last three quick questions. So tell me, signature style piece, what's your go-to signature style piece that you truly feel represents your brand and why is it a central part of your wardrobe? The dress. The dress, formerly the pencil dress, <laughs> not necessarily the pencil dress now, but I have noticed how pencil, like pencil dresses that were, that have been modernised and reinvented, mm. like the stuff that Veronica Mains, say, put out at the moment. Yeah. So, you know, something that hits the calf looks exactly the same till about the hip but just flows a little bit more at the bottom. Yeah, much It's more still comfy. the dress. Yeah. I yeah, love it. Transformational read. So for our listeners listening, looking for inspiration, what book are you currently reading or maybe listening to or one that's had a significant impact on your personal brand and or leadership journey? had so many. I'd probably say Brene Brown, Atlas of the Heart. Mm. I'm still picking that up as an encyclopedia. I wow. think it's pretty special. Yeah, love that. Mindset ritual. So we all have that day when we need an extra boost. What's your quick mindset ritual that helps you feel empowered and ready to tackle anything? A walk around the block. Yeah, get those endorphins going, clear the mind. Yeah, and also one of the things I learned, actually, I had a traumatic premature birth mm. and lived some really difficult months and years after that. One of the things I learned as a PTSD survivor was the requirement to let go of energy that manifests as anger. So you mm. need to actually physically let go of your anger in order to deal with that. And it's not just anger, it's just basically that adrenaline rush. Yeah. And so there's no substitute for movement. So where you can possibly let go of that energy through movement, even if it is a walk around the block, I found that immensely powerful mm. to send to me and that mindset ritual that you talk about. Thank you so much, Amara. It has been an absolute pleasure getting to know you a little bit more than just the bio. There is absolutely some hints and tips in there that I'm sure my listeners will get a lot out of. And if they want to connect with you, I'll have follow your journey along. I'll have details in the show notes. 
around it. So thank you so much again, Amara, for your time today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being part of this inspiring episode. If you found value in today's discussion, please don't keep it a secret. Share it with a friend on social media, tag me at Your Style Collective and leave a review. Your support means the world. Join me again next week for another empowering episode of Style and Strategy, the Leadership Series. Thanks so much for tuning in. And remember, you're already taking that first step towards your transformation journey. See you next time.